Hello and welcome to Ludicast, the all-new gaming podcast serving literally all of your gaming needs across every single platform imaginable. Uh, who are we? Well, I'm Stuart and I suppose you would be Peter. Yeah, go on then. And uh, who are you and why are we here? Let's start with that. Well, I used to work in the games industry as a journalist. Um, I feel what we're doing here and why we would be different to other podcasts is we are not interested in the games industry per se. I'm a tired old hack who quit writing about games four years ago. You've never written about games. We purely play games now for the entertainment and cultural value as part of a normal media diet. We're not here to champion a particular format, genre, cause, developer or publisher. We're just here to talk about what we like, why we like it, or more interestingly, what we hate and why it's rubbish. Very much so. So uh, this is very much uh, gamers talking about games uh, purely for, the, um, for their own love of them. Uh, we've got uh, gaming news and there's been some big news this week. Uh, we're going to talk about what we play ourselves across various platforms. We've got a review of a big recent game and a little retro section at the end there as well. So news. Well, Peter, why don't you kick off? What's the, what's the big news in gaming this week? Well, this week was, was great because Bethesda, I think yesterday, announced it will announce an announcement that sounds 4. exciting. We will announce an announcement very soon. Stay yeah. tuned. They they really jump the shark because Rockstar usually announces is that, announcements. Is that a phrase? Jump the shark. I think that's a phrase. I think it's jump the ship. Maybe they jump the shark and the ship, and then nuke the fridge. I think they did all of those things. They did the lot because basically they've announced yeah three announcements and basically uh, there, there was a there was a teaser trailer. We're getting Fallout Four. That's interesting because we're getting Fallout on uh, next gen. But what could that mean? What do you think will be in there? Well, I mean, Let's speculate. There's been there's been a, there's been huge amounts of uh, what I find interesting is those trailer breakdowns. So we've we've had like a two minute trailer featuring uh, a fridge, a nuclear explosion, and a dog and a family, and it's all quite cool. And there's a bit of robot floating around as well. And for, uh, we've got like thirty minute uh, trailer breakdowns from various organisations telling us everything about them. Uh, what I think's interesting is when it's coming out because one of the things I've seen everyone assumed it'd be 2016, uh, but there's been, uh, for example, Amazon, GameStop, Green Man Gaming, and Game uh, amongst other online shops have pegged the game for release in 2015. That may or may not be accurate however um, Bethesda's own own online shop said Fallout 4 was due out TBA 2015 which they later edited down to just TBA so I'm going to predict a Christmas release for this little puppy I think you'd have to because I I think there's no games on the next generation consoles the way I'm feeling it anyway so if you got that out at Christmas you would sell bucket loads of that but then you're competing with Star Wars Battlefront which I imagine might sell one or two Mm. copies on multiple formats I'm certainly in line for that one myself well that's good to know but anyway what I'm interested in, perhaps, from seeing of a next-generation Fallout is maybe a slightly less delineated, obvious structure through the game. Maybe let's start with this three choices in a conversation. Let's start with there's only one way to, to fulfil a quest. Let's make it organic. Let's make it huge. Let's make it, you know, a real, here's Boston, go explore. Yeah, that's quite exciting. Well, what I find quite strange is, so we've, we've both played Fallout New Vegas, um, and have we? I've played Fallout New Vegas. Have you, I played, have you played most of it, but not all of it. I didn't. I stopped probably about halfway through because mm. I, I enjoyed it, but some it didn't quite grip me in that important way. And I think it might be partly my, my analysis is partly I'm a bit of a loot horse, so I play a lot of MMOs, a lot of RPGs, and, and I just love developing my characters, seeing them get imp- impressive loot, seeing it change their physical appearance, and seeing it change the way they they can behave in game. And in in, in Fallout New Vegas, I found that I'd find a new piece of kit, and I wasn't quite sure if it was better or not. And then I'd find a new gun, and after three shots the thing would break or just not be as good anymore and yeah. I just sort of like oh god I've, I've had it enough got, of this it got so it, it was it was weird because a lot of people I mean Obsidian 
with a developer who put that game out and I think there's a lot of love for those guys because they did a lot of the older stuff back in the day in the kind of RPG genre but the thing with New Vegas for me was even though you had more choices and there was more politics and there were more ways to make factions hate each other and that kind of thing you remember you could turn like the Roman soldier guys against the Elvis guys or yeah that kind of stuff is pretty cool it was good but then the actual level design and the world design it just felt so less open maybe because it's actually literally set on a horizontal strip of hotels which you wander up and down I don't know yeah but you know it didn't have that sense of freedom and I think maybe if you can combine Las Vegas's cool kind of back-end structure with something as colossal and free as, as, as Washington DC felt but then Boston, I mean, you know, interesting choice for a setting. I was Strange there the other week, and, you know, it's nice. In real life? In real life. Wow. Yeah. It was, and, you know, and was there a big nuclear explosion? Uh, no. That's probably, probably probably for the best, to be honest. I, I thought I'd better get out first, so obviously that's yet to happen. But, I mean, what what have we got in Boston? Yes, okay, we've got lovely old churches next to big old skyscrapers, and that's all great. But it's not really... Is it iconic? I don't know. I don't Is know. I don't, iconic? I've not been there, but it's, it's not one of those... City. I mean, I've been to New York, I've been to San Francisco, I've been to a few iconic places, Washington, Philadelphia. And London? Th- th- I've been to London. Been yeah, times. I've been to London yeah. once or twice. There are lots of locations, but I was talking about in, in America, there are more cities which have more sort of cultural resonance and things that people will recognise more so than, than, than Boston. It's um, funny. Not, not denigrating Boston at all, but it, it's, it's an interesting choice for a setting, really. I think Boston, and maybe it's part of the Fallout universe in some way, which maybe you or I don't appreciate and don't care about. And maybe my maybe. point there is, who does care? Who will care? People you know, who live in Boston will be very excited. They'll love it. I mean, that's going to put them on the map, finally. Maybe that's how they're targeting their markets. Each year, they'll make a new game targeting <laughs> a specific city. Sure, that half the people in that city will buy it, and that's the new new model. That sounds quite interesting. Now, um, before we came on air, you, you had some interesting points about um, you know, whether is Bethesda really the right... I mean, it's their IP, but are they the mm. right company to make Fallout 4? Are they capable of making the Fallout 4 that we want to see? Well, again, this goes back to the previous argument of people liked Fallout 3 but the kind of really sniffy nerds in the community would say well it's not quite developed enough in the the way we want our RPG and then they'd say New Vegas went further to nailing that so yeah I think a lot of people are still saying oh I hope they farm this out to Obsidian I personally think it's time for Bethesda to really show us what next gen can do by doing this themselves Um, but doing it properly so I don't know they, they work say. downstairs, so maybe we should go down and tell them all this. They do literally work down just beneath us as we talk right now. So uh, we'll see if we can, uh, for the next podcast, we'll see if we can get someone from Bethesda on. Okay, well, I think that's probably enough about Fallout 4 uh, for the moment. Um, what about, there's another game you wanted to talk about that was a little bit like a certain very popular IP recently bought by Microsoft. Yeah, I've got a bit of an axe to grind, to be honest, because even though Traveller's Tales are from my uh, corner of the world, they're actually from Macclesfield, which is lovely for Macclesfield and for them. I think that basically putting out a statement that they're going to take Minecraft for their own by sticking a Lego IP on top of it is is a little bit... It's not only cheeky, it's also audacious because all they've really made are these extremely formulaic, you know, Lego kind of kiddie platformers. I but, mean, they, but they've been very successful. You're talking about like Lego Batman and Lego Spider-Man and all the other ones. Because they're, of the IP. And they're not bad either. I've, I've, I've played a couple of them with my kids on the Wii and uh, they're a little bit frustrating. I've played Lego Star Wars and uh, Lego Batman with my kids and they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're quite frustrating. They're games where you can hit, come up against a brick wall in some places, literally, where you've got no idea how to proceed. But um, when, you know, when you don't in, do when that doesn't happen to you it, they're quite fun games you see coming up against the wall I, I think that's a bug testing issue I have played Lego City Undercover on the Wii U which most people never even heard of it's basically no, GTA with Lego that sounds brilliant yes but the amount of bugs in it 
are uh-huh. astonishing. And for me, are they really going to just come and steal Minecraft? Okay, you have children, right? Would your children rather play uh, Minecraft or a Lego version of Minecraft? Probably. Well, it's hard to say because if there's ever a game that mimics Lego virtually, then it's Minecraft. Right. So, I mean, it's not a big difference there. But all I say is they both love Minecraft and they both love Lego. Do so combining they... the two, if it's successful, could work very, very well. And the further point, you're talking about your axe, axe to grind. I just wanted to say that Minecraft has to be one of the most copied games of the last few, I know, few years. There's so talking, many different games coming out that are just mimicking it, especially on, on mobile rubbish, platforms. Yeah, rubbish on the Android app store. We're not talking... So what's yeah. wrong with, with with rubbish across multi-platforms, if, if this is to be that? Because well, I feel that Lego IP masks the rubbish that Traveller's Tales sometimes put out. I think, that, and I'm not being mean to them. Like I really, I, I, I think what they've done is great. What they've turned themselves into is fantastic. But I, I just think coming in and saying, "Hey, Minecraft, we're going to have that," and, and you know, put, put a big red Lego logo on it. I, I just, I'm interested to see how it unfolds because yeah. for me, it leaves a bit of a bitter taste. I, yeah. I, 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 I think I, Notch has done great for himself. I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment. I mean, I, you know, Minecraft, have, you know, as, an, as, as, a, as a thing, as a development, has, has you know, made, certainly made Notch a lot of money. It's been very successful. Other people are knocking it off left, right and centre. Lego seems to be a natural transition for it. I would reserve judgment until I see it. I, I um, can tell you who won't care a toss about this. Probably Notch himself, just yeah. sitting in his big lonely house up in Hollywood Hills. Just... Eating gold. Yeah. Whatever yeah. he does these, <laughs> the, the, these days. Uh, one final bit of news before we move on to what we're playing. I just wanted to mention that XCOM 2 has been uh, recently announced, which is extremely exciting for me because I think the, the relaunched X, um, XCOM uh, brand is a fantastic uh, game. I'm very excited to see the next generation of it. Um, this time it's set, uh, I think, about sort of 50 years into the future where Earth has been successfully invaded by the aliens, rendering everything you achieved in the first XCOM utterly redundant. Well done there. Um, but it uh, introduces some new characters, including uh, lizard men who look pretty cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I'm probably also out um, later this year because pretty much every, every game in the universe is being released in uh, November or December this lizard year. Lizard men I, I, I feel I'm never qualified to talk about XCOM because we have this ongoing problem where you gave me your Steam code for XCOM and I never played XCOM. Yes, it was like um, a gift to you that you've uh, sullied and uh, just thrown, thrown back, back in my in face. face. Yeah, yeah, but I, I do have to ask about lizard men. Are lizard men are they aliens or are they lizards? Well, the, there aren't the lizards in there aren't lizard men in actually alive in the world, so you've got to assume they're probably aliens. Yeah, I mean that would be my assumption. Cryptozoology is a very misunderstood area of science. <laughs> Yeah, well, welcome to Cryptozoology uh, podcast, uh, which we've just mi- uh, migrated into. We're going to be talking about the Perfect. fusion, the beautiful fusion, finally, of lizards and men. So they're alien lizards. Yes. Is this a bit David Icke? Uh, going? All, I've, I've seen a bit like a bit like Fallout Four. I've seen a trailer. Um, so all I know is that there are lizardy type men that you can shoot. Well, come on, we should discuss the thirty seconds you've seen we should, for twenty more minutes. We should discuss the, the, the political ramifications of, of, of lizard men <laughs> and how they affect uh, our world today. Uh, that is enough um, on XCOM Two, I think, and news. So we're now moving on to what we're playing now. Peter, what are, you, what are you playing? I don't really get a lot of time to play video games anymore because of how so why are you on my, this podcast? my day job is. Well, because you made me. Oh, yeah. But um, So uh, what I tend to do is I play quite a lot of games on my Nintendo 3DS, um, which not a lot of other people do these days, clearly. But um, I got myself Monster Hunter 4 which arrived last weekend. When, when you say that, I, I know nothing about it besides the title now, and it, right, it okay. conjures to mind uh, like a Diablo-esque type of thing. Well, mm, yes and no. I mean, okay, so it's third person. You're viewing your little bloke from behind. He runs around in very tiny areas that have to... You're literally, like, loading the world. You, you'll run into a field, and it will stop and load, and you run into the other half of the field. So it sounds like Minecraft. 
but it's horribly unseamless because the 3ds bless it you know it's not exactly got the most you know ram in the world or, yeah but yeah basically um, I, I think my point about monsanto 4 is i thought it was it was a capcom game which you know, capcom is known for making sometimes fairly deep you know a lot going on behind the covers kind of technical games i thought well didn't they the do 3DS. resident evil yes well, that's not a good example. No, it's exactly. But, you know, the, uh, Dragon's Dogma was a good example. It was a kind of um, R- you know, open-world RPG which had, you know, fairly devious kind of D&D stats behind it. Street Fighter, hugely technical game. Um, in fact, Resident Evil does have its hidden depths as well, but we won't go there today. So I, I picked this game up. I realised on starting it that you have a choice of, I think it's 26 different weapons that, you know, are your stock you can't switch well, them when, on the when, fly. when you start. You don't find them. That's literally what you have when you begin. You don't have anything when you begin. You have a, a, a dagger, and you have to go to the marketplace yourself, spend all the money you've got on what you think is going to be your weapon to move forward with. So there's a tutorial mission for each of the 26 weapons, and wow. I've so far played 22 of them in three days. I've not even started this game because I'm being so picky. Each weapon works. in. Uh, there's what? There's four buttons on the 3DS. Each weapon probably has seven, eight, or nine moves attached to it, depending on button combinations. And it's literally, it've like playing Street Fighter in isolation. Is it one of those ones you want to learn all the, mash all the different combinations, learn yes. what each combination does? Yeah, I've never been good at those. But none of the weapons are the same. So you're, you're, there's, a, there's a lance, fine. There's a gun lance, which is like the lance, except also if you press the right thing at the right time, it fires a huge shell and like take... You're basically hunting dinosaurs, by the way. So you're trying to shoot down massive dinosaurs as you run around. But all the weapons are slow. Is it like, all the weapons a bit like are Tomb Raider, then? Oh, uh, there's no real platforming. It's more, I think it's been described as kind of arena-based combat almost. Because of these weird load points between bits of the map, you do feel trapped in small areas. But, I mean, as well as, like, killing stuff and skinning it and nicking bits of it to make other stuff, you're also, I don't know, you've got your generic kind of find-a-mushroom quest as well. So, you know, it's got all those RPG elements. But, yeah, uh, I, I, I read... Um, I was trying to get help online. I read this very interesting kind of help guide which said, if you... Think of it as a JRPG in which you've only got one party member, but each weapon is like a character in your party. And that almost seems to be... So it's almost like try to learn a handful of weapons, switch them on the fly, and you've got enough money to buy them all. And that's the way to get through Monster Hunter, which I find it's fascinating. It's just it's so dense, I almost can't cope with it on a morning commute. That sounds sounds quite fun. Well, if you're into finding mushrooms and uh, hunting Killing hunting dinosaurs, then uh, Monster Hunter Four massive unwieldy swords. Yeah, that might be might might be the game for you. Yeah. Uh, you also mentioned uh, Brutal Doom as something you're interested in. Well, I'm going to go off on one a bit here. I've I've come very late to the party again. This. You're afraid so? Yeah. Um, I you you've played Doom, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You remember how, how did Doom kind of feel to you when you played it all those years ago? Uh, pretty um pretty pretty uh, em- emphatic. Emphatic. Well, you know, when you when you kill something, it stays dead. It well, uh, unless there's the enemy around, which well, yeah. Apart from, okay, that was a bad no, example. I, I, but know I, what I you mean, mean. You, you feel like you're blowing Bloody things. Bloody final, things bam! To bits. You're down. You're dead. Yeah. I, yeah, okay, so Brutal Doom. Maybe I'll, I'll go back a bit. Brutal Doom is a mod. Uh, there is, the modding community for Doom is still enormous, huge. Like hmm. pe- people are still modding Doom more than anything else. Really, they, they're going back. They're messing with the engine. Um, developer id released the source code many years ago, so people have been messing around with it. And basically, <clears throat> that was quite high, wasn't it? I enjoyed um, that. What, what Brutal Doom does is it basically, 
what it says on the box is it makes Doom incredibly graphically violent. Is it just extra blood and guts when you well, shoot things? that's what I thought. This is why I've not played it. It's been going since oh, you 2011. Haven't even played it? No, 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 no. I hadn't played it until <laughs> two weeks ago because oh. I didn't like the idea of the blood and guts. I mean, I'd read some terrible things online. The chap who makes this, who apparently has been banned from the two biggest Doom modding forums in the world for bad behaviour, um, I think it, he allegedly, and this, this is like, this, this is allegedly, he allegedly encouraged somebody on a forum to kill themselves and told them how to to make a suffocation bag for themselves. He sounds great. Yeah, lovely man. But apparently at one point he was also scanning actual photos of corpses and body parts he'd found on the internet into Doom to make it all more realistic in inverted commas. That is that the sounds bit, horrible. That is the bit I don't like. Yeah. Now, and apparently due to fan pressure he, he took all that out and redrew it in an art package. But what I find fascinating about Brutal Doom is it switches up the combat. So whereas, I think if you went to Doom now having played, say, Call of Duty or anything of its ilk, it feels really quite languid. I mean, yes, you run about. I think I think the character's been clocked at 40 miles an hour in Doom, the actual speed yeah. he runs at. Um, but the, the actual gunplay, you know, the shotgun takes ages to reload, the chain gun's very slow, do, 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 do. and what Brutal Doom does, it kind of militarises everything in a really hard-edged way. You've got to reload your guns, so the shotgun, you have to reload now after every shot, so it's kind of a combat shotgun, so it holds eight shells, but it's like, do, 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 you know, fast reload. But I'm enjoying still... these sound effects. I hope they're Thank actually you. in the game. I, I think it's, yeah, I should go into beatboxing. <laughs> Um, and, and he's changed the way the enemies work with these weapons. So the weapons are faster paced, they hit harder, they run out of ammo quicker. Um, but the enemy is like, I don't know, do you remember a cacodemon? It's like the big red yeah. head thing that yeah. fires the fireballs. He now fires two enormous fireballs quickly in succession that smash through the air. And then it, it does, it automatically does like a kind of dive sideways. So if you return fire with a rocket, you're not going to hit it. And things like that, it's just, it's so got it's almost, changed a lot of the mechanics yeah, in the game. But to the, like, to the point good. where it feels like AI. I mean, it probably yeah. isn't. It's probably like a kind of a dodge around AI. But it, it, Wait, uh, did you ever play Serious Sam? Yes. Because that was kind of a response right. to, to Doom and Quake a little bit later, where you had a lot more enemies mm. and they were all, just, you know, it was much more frenetic. They were yeah. all, and they all sort of ran towards you and sh- showed different behaviours. It and takes it's a, a lot bit from like that. that. It takes okay. a lot from that. But, and what's fascinating is, though, it's like you're playing a more serious Sam-type experience, but through the original Doom levels. And it's like you're playing it all for the first time. That I've been fun. absolutely enraptured by it, like, in a really guilty way, because I'm sitting up at, like, midnight, blowing arms and legs off people and, and watching them crawl along the floor, groaning, you know, and just thinking, what am I turning into? But the, the gameplay... Maybe you should go play Goat Simulator. That's next on my list, oh, I'm, sure, enough. I'm sure it is. Knock a few um, bins over. The, 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 there's been quite a few... Um, well, there's been at least one other... I've heard of Brutal Half. Life. I've heard, I don't know if that's the same See, guy. See, I've never heard of this, and you well, mentioned this. Um, it's single source, then, isn't it? So we can't we can't quote it because it's just me talking about it, and I think I've seen it in one <laughs> what place. What do you think it's like? It, Stuart? May, it may not be true. Um, I'm looking. I want to see Brutal Sims. That'd be fun. Electronic Arts, Brutal a Brutal Sims mod, brutal where you Sims can hack those little bastards to death. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, so that's Monster Hunter Four and Brutal Doom. Um, I what am I playing? Um, I've been playing FIFA 13, which I only mentioned. I've been playing that quite a bit. I mean, FIFA 13. 13, exactly. I mean, in I just, 2015. I mentioned that because um, I dislike this model of, of uh, EA. I don't think we need to go into this in great depth, but the fact that they, they release a new FIFA update every single year and they're, they're pretty much the, the same. So I pretty much wait every three years before I update. So I, I'm, I will be buying FIFA 16 this year. Um, but I'm still enjoying FIFA 13. It's still a great game. I play mostly just against the computer. Um, Has that got the, the card game thing? 
Yeah, it has, but you can't really do that anymore because it's that's called ultimate team, where you build up um, teams by, by by bidding through online auctions for various players. And because you know most people aren't playing that version, has anymore. EA taken the servers down? No, no, the servers <laughs> surprised. I thought they would after a year, but the servers are still up. It's fine. But the thing is, because so few people are playing, um, your players annoyingly have to have contracts to play. And the contracts, there's only about three up there for the entire world. So consequently, they go immediately or get or so, get get sold for each for billions of gold. So wow. I can't afford any contracts. I've got loads of brilliant players all on with naught games they're able to play. So I can't play ultimate team anymore. So unless I, you know, fork out loads of money for EA to buy loads of packs, which I'm not going to do. So anyway. is that is that a clever way for them to say we're leaving the servers up, but we're going to try yeah. and price you? It's out. a very clever way to build in redundancy without doing something so dramatic as unplugging nice. the servers. You got to take your hat off. Yeah, though, well, it's, it's but the thing is, it works. People enough people will keep buying it year on year. So you know, you can shout to your blue in the face saying, "Why are you doing this every year on year?" We well, don't have to buy it. Indeed, I don't. But many people do. Therefore, they're doing the right thing because they're making money, more money by doing it this way. So isn't FIFA 14 about a fiver by now? Uh, probably yeah, but I, but I'm going to buy FIFA 16. So there's no point upgrading to a game that's going to be much the same level of you know redundancy. I do think I, obviously this may be coming across. I'm not a, a great football fan and not a great FIFA fan, but I do think the addition of female teams to FIFA 16 could be an interesting twist. Yeah, yeah, it? definitely. I the think ultimate so that's a great team idea. dynamic as well is, is, it looks interesting. There. I'd love to see mixed teams. I'd love to be able to um, be able to see male and females in the same team. I think that'd be that, that that'd be fun. And there's no reason. Well, I'm sure some of the best female players will be better than some of the male players I think that, that, that'd be quite a nice thing I'd Is enjoy that, that. I, I, I saw a conversation about that they, they got a few I think there were some FIFA people that they got them together to talk about this game you know, some EA FIFA people what, yeah, what does that even FIFA, mean you know the people FIFA that aren't in jail <laughs> those three yeah well, they, they, they aren't in jail yet three men I think we in a room say. with some EA guy yeah. and they talked about the possibility of mixed teams and the FIFA guys said that's just so kind of against everything the sport stands for what because, mixed teams well he said women women and men play football differently the dynamics different you know with women it's more about speed and it's more about power all these kind of RPG cliches yeah. and I just kind of feel yeah again I'm not a big football fan but do, do you think video games should lead reality by showing that mixed teams on the stat level could be interesting and yeah. fun. Why? Why not? Why? It, should, okay. it could be an option. Yeah. Why not? I think. I think it'd be fun. I'd. I'd. I'd like to see that. But, would it destroy uh, Ultimate Team? Would it? Would it bring the whole thing well, crashing I'm, down? I, I, you know, because if if women weren't as good, then people wouldn't buy those players, so it wouldn't matter. But hmm. but I don't see why you can't have the option because it's a computer game. It's not real life, so um, you could. There's, there's room to have different different rules. But I'm totally up for that. I think it'd be very cool. I think that, that'd be cool. So um, what else? Playing a bit of FIFA 13. Playing a bit of Magic Online, Magic the Gathering. Uh, the online client uh, is clunky but works well. And if you if you enjoy that game, uh, it's fun to play online. Uh, Pillars of Eternity, which we'll come back to shortly. Um, I recently finished um, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter, which is a fantastic game. I could picked it up in a GOG sale for about no no money, mm. um, not uh, a while ago. Played it for a little while, put it down, um, finished it again recently I'd highly recommend that one um, a lot of fun and what I, actually uh, just to don't want to spend too long on this but what I like about The Vanishing of Ethan Carter is it's not gamey so it's, it uses the Frostbite engine so everything looks absolutely beautiful you've got this beautiful autumnal sort of derelict old US uh, town and you're going to it, going through it investigating a murder and it, it when I, we talked about this earlier and I, I, I mentioned Bioshock Infinite which is a game for, where for the first hour you're wandering through this amazing sort of utopia up in the clouds talking to people just exploring and it's all beautiful and interesting and then suddenly it hits you that it's a, then it's, that it's a computer game when you have to whack someone in the head with a wrench and then everyone starts shooting at you and you're like oh yeah it's a computer and game and you feel forced to do that and almost. you feel forced to do it and then as, as you said earlier it's a bit weird what, the way you're in this beautiful utopia where everyone suddenly decides you have to die and then for the rest of the game they're trying to shoot you and it's, it would have been so much nicer if that had been a game where you just go through it exploring maybe it could have been an, an adventure game or you could have just explored it and been in a beautiful environment it would have 
have been something new and different. And that's what Did I think the Vanishing Blue Carter gives you for Bioshock which, Infinite. No, I only played the. I, I, I gave up. We talked about this earlier. I, I gave up Bioshock Infinite. The point when you get to the beach and everyone stops shooting you, and I thought, ah, oh, finally, it doesn't feel too yeah, gamey yeah. anymore. And yeah. I thought, I'm just going to leave it. But here. what's interesting about the DLC is uh, it puts it puts that character. Was it Booker DeWitt? It puts I can't him. Remember. Back in the under under sea rapture, he you know it, because he, the idea of the game is he he's kind of going to all these it's it's like the the story is the same no matter the universe kind of thing so it's like a what if Booker DeWitt was in Bioshock he's a detective uh, he starts off as a detective oh, that so that lends itself even more to what you're saying because you can yeah. literally play a detective role walk around these worlds because this is set when uh, when rapture is still you know complete still and, operational and civil. Still, still people there yeah so again and as you get half an hour where you get to wander around and look at what rapture was like before it yeah, that's, broke that's and you can't really do much you can't really interact with people it's mostly just the same man and woman in different sort of coloured outfits you know constantly standing around and again if they put all their time and resources into as you say mate why, why does it have to be a shooter yeah and I, I, don't I, know. I, I think I know why it has to be a shooter because I'm sure the publishers said make it a shooter a bit like the first Tomb Raider where initially it was just a platform where you, where you go around these interesting old temples and then mm. the publishers said, put some guns and dinosaurs in it, otherwise no one will buy it. And I'm pretty sure that's probably what happened with They also said, don't Infinite. put a woman in it, fairly famously. Did they? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, that would have been, been um, awesome, I wouldn't it? I believe uh, that, that was argued by the, by the creator, and uh, hey, look what we ended up with. But then, you know, the, 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 the dinosaurs and the guns in that felt very token, and in Bioshock Infinite, it wasn't token, it just defined the entire game. But that, yeah. that's what I liked about The Vanishing of Ethan Carty. They could have tried to make it into a shooter, it would have been ridiculous, but instead it's this, you're a detective, it's investigatory, it tells a story, it's beautiful. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's cheap, it only took me about five hours to complete. I'd highly recommend it. The other game I wanted to mention that I'm playing a bit of at the moment is um, well, Elder Scrolls Online. I won't go into that. That's a great MMO that's um, been updated and uh, is much better now than it was at launch. But Age of Wonders 3 I've recently gone back to and it's. Um, I just wanted to mention it because I'm really excited about the forthcoming the Creative Assembly game, uh, the Warhammer Total War. Mm. Um, that's going to be fantastic. And I find Age of Wonders 3 to be a bit like what I hope Total War Warhammer will be. Um, I know you're not such a big Warhammer fan as I am, but um, I'm currently yeah. googling Age of Wonders three. I'm 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 way you're, behind you. Yeah, really. Well, it's, I even know where that is. It's a, something somewhere between Civ and a Total War game. You've got sort of right. both elements there, um, but it's very it's got a real fantasy element, um, and it's all about the stats of your of, of your troops and building up cities and that kind of stuff. Um, but if you're looking forward to Total War Warhammer as I am, and uh, sort of. Um, just really looking forward to the release date then I would recommend Age of Wonders 3 as a great thing to scratch that itch until there um, See, if it's Creative Assembly I'm looking forward to when that sells quite well on PC and everyone's quite happy and then someone says hey we've got the Warhammer license and we're quite good at FPS's because we did Alien Let's let's go back to the whole space marine. Yeah, um, that'd be awesome. Do you remember that? Because Alien was... Isolation was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And uh, there's been a, a few good... Uh, space Hulk from about a billion years ago was an awesome sort of FPS-y type... Space um, Hulk. Space exactly. marine type of thing. Imagine so, an update of that. Yeah, totally. Oh, if you're listening, Creative Assembly, I think we've just uh, got your next uh, IP it. sorted. We've so. cracked it. So I think that's probably enough on what we're playing now. So review, and I think we're going to keep this fairly brief, but I wanted to talk about Pillars of Eternity. As I mentioned, it's a game I've been playing uh, quite a bit of. It's If you've ever played uh, things like Planescape Torment or Baldur's Gate any of the, or Icewind Dale, any of those old Infinity Engine um, Bioware games, uh, then it's very much of that ilk. Uh, the engine, it's a new uh, updated engine. It doesn't use the, the, the D&D rules, but it's, it's basically... Blokes, isn't it? It's the same sort of thing and a lot of the same uh, team I gather as well. It is basically brilliant and I've got a, it's a slightly strange admission here. The game is brilliant. The character creation um, is great, very customizable. You get a variety of fun characters. The game doesn't do a great job of explaining to you the differences between the characters and really what they do. There's something called a chanter, which took me a long time to work. I actually chose that class, but it took me a long time to work out what it actually was for. <laughs> 
That's living um, on the edge, isn't it? Well, it is. Well, I wanted. To, I just. I was curious. I wanted to try this. It's a new thing because they're not using the the D and D rules. They've invented their own class, which means well, they're not their own class. They've invented their own system completely, which means you're not. It hasn't got that familiarity that the games have, which is no bad thing. But it does mean it can be a bit confusing. One of the things that put me off slightly is the fact that there's no XP for killing stuff. So ordinarily in these huh? games, you know, you go around killing stuff and collecting loot. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm a loot whore. That's kind of. I know. I know it's a. It's hackneyed and it's been done a billion times before, but. Uh, I'm kind of used to that system. In this game, it's a bit different. It, and the idea is you can talk your way out of systems, you can sneak past things, and uh, you, so you don't get penalised for doing that, as you do in most games, which is a great idea, but I just find when ah. I'm in, in combat, I'm sort of thinking, yeah, why am I in combat? How do you level up, the then? Through doing quests. Just and, quests? And, and finding stuff. So literally, everything you see in the field, you could just run past it. Well, well, if, if, if they drop, like, drops? Good yeah, drops. They, 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 they drop loot, and I've I, I mentioned I'm a loot horn, I, I, I don't find the loot to be that exciting it's not i don't feel but what's the drop I, rate for like rare stuff from well, like trash enemies it's just n- nothing i i it's mm. very little loot you get that really seems to make a big difference to your character which so i haven't really felt that my character is really getting much more powerful and every time i've been combat i'm sort of thinking you know combat's quite hard and it's quite fun but at the end of it you're sort of thinking i'm not getting rewarded for this i'm sort of i want no. my little drip feed i want i want my little hit of uh, of, of of loot or xp to... i think it was like towards the, the late 90s there were so many games that when when graphics had to be better but teams were still small there were so many games where you could just literally run through a world on a kind of a to b boring world of just go here now go here go here you could just run through the entire field and just not hit anything because there was no point if no one's dropping anything your levels and equipment don't level up when you use them or you don't learn skills um, equipment or... doesn't doesn't level up you get new skills and you do you do level up and, and and get more ability points and more skills as you do in classic most classic rpgs so you do get more powerful but my point That's is that i is. haven't felt much more powerful and what, what i really enjoy mm. what i look for in an rpg is you know starting out weak building up building up a legacy building up building up you know items and there is you know you do get your own stronghold in the game and there are lots of quests and interesting dungeon delves to do and I'm sure there you know I haven't, I've probably played seven or eight or nine hours so I'm not that far into it so it is a huge game as well I'm sure I'll, I will find more loot and more excitement to come and I, I will definitely go back to it but the point I was going to make is it's brilliant it's a fantastic game I loved Baldur's Gate and it's very similar to that however I've kind of just stopped playing and I'm now playing the other games I mentioned earlier that's a real shame because the amount of hype that went behind that and, the... and I was so looking forward to it because yeah. I, I go on endlessly as you'll testify about Baldur's Gate uh, it's, it's actually becoming a problem yeah it, re- um, it really is I well, talk well, about it became a problem a while back and is now you know it's now beyond a, beyond yeah. a problem I, I mean what's the story like these, these the story's guys are known it's, it's for great. story writing yeah so you're you're basically a character who can sort of um, speak to uh, people and find out more about them so you speak can sort of to look, people <laughs> It's amazing. That's a novel. It's amazing what you can do. No, that's the worst description you will ever hear of what Pillars of Eternity <laughs> go in the box. is all You about. are a character who can speak to people. So says Ludicast. Um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, you can sort of you can I'm trying to think of a way to put it you can touch them this sounds really weird as well you can, <laughs> you can reach touch out, them and speak <laughs> you can touch them so you, sort of, you see into their souls and you can see oh about their history I'm like it's like, there's good writing it's well written there's interesting stories <laughs> in there Meg. it's great I've made it sound rubbish uh, but it is it's it's very good and I'm sure I will go back you to sold it on me <laughs> this is why I'm not in marketing Okay, so that's our uh, brilliant review section. Uh, more to come on that front in, in, in the next episode. Um, now on to retro, which is uh, games we've loved from the past. Um, 
And uh, I wanted to talk about um, Heroes of Might and Magic, the series, particularly the second and third iterations. For me, those were the best in the series. Why is that? Uh, well, fourth wasn't bad either. Uh, well, I think in later editions, they tr- overcomplicated themselves, tried to go a bit 3D and try to sort of follow what the crowd is doing graphically. Whereas really, they were great when it was all sprite-based and it was very 2D and it was simple. And you're, you're going around, you're a, you're a hero character or several heroes. You go around conquering towns. It's very much, I would call Age of, Age of Wonders 3 the spiritual su- successor to Heroes of Might and Magic. And I'm not the first person to say that by far. So it's or sort of Dovetails with what I was, I'm sure I won't be the last. But it dovetails with what I was saying earlier about Age of Wonders. It's that similar sort of thing. You're conquering towns, building those towns up, um, and this is a game where you are, you know, when you when you conquer uh, monsters, you do level up, you get XP, you find loot, you upgrade your character, you upgrade your towns to get better monsters, and it's very very challenging. It's, it's uh, a fantastic game. My my favourite is here is Might of Magic Two. I got them both on GOG. They're an absolute steal. Um, and they'll run on pretty much anything. So you know, we both use a Microsoft Surface for our sort of mobile needs, and mm. they will, it will run very, very happily um, on that as a platform. So I'd heartily recommend um, the Heroes of Might and Magic series. I don't want to turn this into great games to play on the Surface, but I've I've been having a lot of interest. Um, I you know the second part of the massively overhyped and over-invested Broken Age came out from um, Double Fine. Yeah. A few, what was it, about maybe a month ago now? Um, it was one of the first big high-profile Kickstarters. Uh, Tim Schafer said, hey, give me $100,000 and I will make a great adventure game. So the world gave him $3 million and he made half a great adventure game and then made them wait a year for the next half, which was odd, and asked for more money. Unbelievably, but it was good. He sounds like a con artist. Well, no, nah, he's lovely. Um, a lovely con artist. Lovely con artist. Actually, that's not bad. Yeah. Okay. We probably can't say that either. But yeah. No. Um. So you know, good adventure game, and it kind of brought back that whole LucasArts spirit to me of how you know, yeah. like, kind of the cheeky humor and the kind of the, the, just this, this mixture of kind of offbeat and whimsy, which it does very very well. But it was a bit too modern for me. And then um, there was another. It was, it's Gog Sale. It's always Gog Sale, isn't it? So it was a Gog yeah. Sale. Um, they were selling the you know the remake of Grand F- Grim Fandango. Yes. Um, Did you buy that? I bought the it. The HD version. I was yeah. really tempted by that. But I, I've read a few reviews which said it's it's almost unplayable these days and it's very, very hard and it, sometimes you just hit, hit a brick wall again. Right, you are. So I took it on a plane, having uh, basically scraped the um, most popular document off GameFAQs, which I could just go and, and reference as I wanted. So I, I basically got handheld through it. Um, so rather than playing it, you're just sort of... Watching you know, it. Monkey says monkey do. Yeah. What, what, watching it, yeah. But, you know, loved it. I, I just... You, you really forget. So you still I'm... enjoyed it, even though you're just going through on a walkthrough. It's well, yeah, fun. Because, because again, we're talking about story, talking about okay. mood. Right, what sort of what sort of criminally insane man sits down and thinks, okay, I'm going to make a film noir about the Mexican Day of the Dead? That's just mental. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it was it was amazing. So you've played it, right? I haven't actually. No. Like you, you, the character you play um, is basically a tra- uh, is basically a, a travel salesman. Oh. Um, a travel salesman? Yeah, that's about right. He, he lives in the world of the dead, and when the people have died and come through, he helps them make arrangements for, you know, how to get to... Can, can he talk to them and touch them? He can do both of Because you know things. I'm into those sorts of things. But so, so the idea is he's selling travel packages to help people go through to the promised land. So if they don't have a lot of money, he has to basically just nail them in a box and ship them off, or, you know, they can go in a golden taxi or something. Cool. He's, he's like a frustrated... He's basically almost like kind of, you know, Don Draper, but dead and, <laughs> and stuck in this kind of weird... Mexican, that's the next HBO you know. series. That's a great pitch. Yeah. So, and it, and it is it is really hard, especially compared to Broken Age. You know, Broken Age felt like they, they really said, okay, well, how can we make a sort of modernist point and clicker with puzzles that make sense? This game does not make sense. It's like, you know, do I what do I do with this balloon model of Robert Burns, the famous poet? How do I shift these pigeons out of the way? You know, awesome. It's, it's, it's nonsense. Yeah. But the, the, the atmosphere 
is still amazing. And, and basically, the only change they've made, this surprised me as well, it's, it looks exactly the same as it did when it came out in the late 90s. It's just they've added a bit of, like, um, shadowing. So to is, make the graphics pretty. Is it not really worth buying the HD version? Should you just get go back and find an abandoned wear version? It could be, of the it doesn't work, and that's maybe where this gets ah, cynical. Okay. Like Tim Schafer admits this, you get some like making of videos with it and you buy it on GOG, and the first thing he basically says was, Well, it was a shame because it's broken and nobody can play it on modern PCs, so pound signs, let's yeah. re-release it. But you know, it was ten quid. And I mean, yeah, I, I thoroughly recommend it. It's, it's, it's classic, and, and it's, it's really overlooked because it, it's credited, by the way, as being the game that destroyed the adventure game because it didn't sell as well as it should have. Uh, and it's yeah. got a bit of a weird reputation. Most people remember it being really offbeat and difficult, like you've just said. But I, I yeah. think it's, it's, it's just it's a masterpiece on the kind of thematic level because it's just such a wonderful idea. It's, it's a little bit like what uh, Terra Nova, which is a game no one bought and no one remembers apart <sighs> yeah. from me. Do you remember, do you remember about Terra Nova? It was I, awesome. I know but that's a, a game that it. killed the Mech Warrior idea because MechWarrior games are really popular and Terra Nova came out and it was a brilliant MechWarrior game and, and two people bought it um, one of which was me and uh, so the, the MechWarrior <clears throat> genre died with that one other game I just wanted to mention very briefly was uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis purely because it's another LucasArts adventure mm. um, on GOG it's and that's, I've now, never right? played it but I, I've always I, I will one, one day I will buy it and play it because it does so look awesome very have funny. you played it? yes I've played I played about half of it I got stuck on a bit where you had to um, reposition some archae- archaeological equipment to make um, a light shine on something and it didn't work and I couldn't do it and I got frustrated but it's such a funny game like if yeah. you imagine again yeah, if you imagine who wrote Monkey Island gets to write Indiana Jones film yeah so funny um, just a quick note on MechWarrior I just, uh, yeah. I, I've always credited MechWarrior 2 as the game that taught me how to drive I'm not even kidding it was so realistic <laughs> what do you drive? Um, I, I, a 40 I foot a robot Timberwolf yeah, yeah okay. obviously. Brilliant. Um, no uh, you know uh, the, the whole idea of uh, regulating your speed and, and kind of um, you know pulling several levers at once and you know acceleration deceleration reverse I, 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 when I got in the car like having played Mech Warrior since Where's I was the laser 13 well, I missed that so much yeah, yeah. And, and where's the torso twist? But apart from that, yeah. it was it was yeah weirdly a good driving simulator. Well, and this is not advice I'm giving to anyone. Yeah. Well, if, if you yeah. want to learn, to, if you're looking to learn to drive, why not try MechWarrior too? Um, I quite enjoyed. Similarly, um, Terra Nova was my first experience of true multiplayer because uh, I played with a friend of mine on you know both craning over each other on the same keyboard. I I, <laughs> I controlled the movement and he controlled the guns. This may be why why it didn't sell so well because you needed about nine <laughs> fingers um, just to do any one thing. So I just did the movement and How he did the firing. Have you got? Um, I've only got three if you ask, because of that hideous uh, driving accident after learning to drive with MechWarrior 2. Um, excellent. Okay, so I'm afraid that is all we have time for uh, now. So that is it from Ludicast uh, for this episode. Uh, please do listen again next next time, which will be in two weeks. If you want to email us um, and talk to us about any games or ask us to discuss any particular game that's a favourite of yours, we are on the Ludicast, uh, the L-U-D-I-C-A-S-T, at hotmail.com. You can also visit our website, ludicast.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time. <laughs>